It's my prayer for you throughout this has been Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Paul prayed this over the church. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Who wants the fullness of God this morning? Anybody? Do you want to be full of God this morning, or do you want just a little bit of God? It reminds me, I was in a setting one time, I was in a jury duty, and the guy found out I was a preacher that always messes him up, and uh, he said, well, pray for me, I can use a little bit of Jesus, and oh, you don't want to pray for you to have a little bit of Jesus. He goes, what do you mean? I said, because a little bit of Jesus is going to mess your life up, but when you give yourself wholly to Jesus, it makes your life better, but if you want to add a little bit of Jesus, you're just religious, and it's not going to help you, because I tell you, he doesn't come in a little way, he gets all of you or nothing. And I want you to know we're praying for you and we're walking through the Word, allowing God to speak into our lives. And to do that, open your Bibles. In fact, open to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12 is where we're going to spend our our time today. We're in a series uh, just simply called Rooted. That word rooted and grounded. Rooted and established in His love. We shared last week that... We, we know if we understand plant life at all around us, whether you grow grass or you grow uh, flowers or vegetables or whatever, that we grow best or we grow up when our roots go down. We have to have solid root systems in our lives if we're going to grow in the Lord. We have to be rooted in the things that mattered. And last week I took time to teach on the difference between, plant be, between being planted and being rooted. And we looked at the, uh, the parable that Jesus taught of the, of the soils and how that there's one thing we can do because God is the sower. He's the one that is throwing the seed out. The Word of God is the seed, but the soil is our lives, it's our heart, it's our spirit. And we have a responsibility to be open to our God, to let God have His way in our lives. Because can I tell you, the kingdom of God doesn't come forcefully on you with no choice we we accept the kingdom of god we we welcome the kingdom of god and god's work depends upon our openness to our god it also depends on our personal commitments there was that soil that uh, had rocks in it and the roots were shallow and so the, the the plant burned up and and we recognize that this walk with god has to be more than an emotion it has to be more than an experience it is a choice we make daily to live in the blessing and the glory of our God. So there's this commitment, and we recognize that. God's work in our lives has to be our first priority. Because all of our lives get weedy sometimes, somebody. Yeah, right? The temptations of life, all the things around us, there's these weeds that are popping up all the time. And unless He is the priority, we'll, we'll begin to depend on the weeds more than the, the real fruit God wants to have around us. We'll allow other things to choke out his truth because, again, God has to be first or he's not God at all. But finally, we talked about having good soil and how that having good soil is based on, a, on an ongoing series of choices in our lives. The destiny that we want in our lives is not this mystery we seek after. It's a habit. Destiny is a habit. We show me your habits. I'll show you your future because God leads us in ways where he wants us to be rooted in that love. And can I tell you, the seed will do its work. The Word of God will do its work. It's living and active, but we've got to prepare the soil. Today, I want to continue building upon that thought of rooted. I want to build on that thought, on that teaching of the promise of God's Word that gives followers of Christ an action 
that will defeat the lies of our enemy every single time. Because if you remember the parable of souls, there was, there was really that, that, that contrast between the God who's sowing the seed and Satan who's always trying to destroy it. Like the birds there that come and pluck it off the, the ground. And can I tell you, we, we have to recognize that God has given us power to defeat Satan every time. And uh, that power I'm going to talk about today, it's been mentioned already in this service and sung about, and that is the power of our testimony. The power of our testimony. I grew up in a little church where every time we gathered, I could count on the, the timing and the rhythm would be this. Does anybody have a testimony today? And I'd go, oh my goodness, here we go. Because sometimes we get testimonies that glorify God, and sometimes some poor, lonely person just wanted a chance to talk. And you know, I can see the pastor sweating like, I don't want to be rude, but please sit down. You know, it was just something that we, we had all this time, this flow and back and forth of, do you have a testimony? It was also common in that time that when we got up to sing, the song leader would always say, does anybody have a song request? We would sing by the numbers. Well, I want to sing number 293. Can we do that today? How many remember 293, right? Oh, y'all, y'all, come on. Hymnals, anybody? Okay, I'm going to start finding more common uses here. <laughs> but looking back, the word testimony really uh, seems frozen in time in that era. It's almost this old-fashioned thing. You know, that's, that's for those, those people, right? And, uh, and in fact, it's no longer really part of church culture to take testimonies and definitely not to take song requests. And, and that's okay. But the concept of sharing what God has done for us is a powerful tool to remind you and I of God's ability, God's ways, and God's faithfulness to, to cause all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And we see a promise in God's Word. It's in the middle of this strange passage in the book of Revelation chapter 12 that looks like something straight out of the Lord of the Rings where the Apostle John is speaking about defeating Satan who's the accuser of the brethren. And he says this in Revelation 12, 11, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Come on, somebody. There is power in our testimony. I, I, I know this. The fiercest attacks of Satan against you and I and anyone who chooses to, to serve God is, is the absolute use of, of his ways of lying to us about everything. The lies of the enemy are the fiercest attacks. Why? Because he can take a difficult circumstance and he will do everything in his power to infuse it with doubt, with fear, with confusion, and with despair. And the truth of the matter is we all have difficult circumstances. That's part of the testimony. Can I tell you, being a believer doesn't shield you from life, right? But in life, we have testimony because we don't walk through life alone. We have our God who's in us by His Holy Spirit, who's promised to overcome in our lives. But in this passage, we see something that's a powerful antidote to the lies of the enemy. And it's a combination. It's the combination of the blood of the Lamb, which is the blood of Christ, which again, He has already shed for us, meaning He's already won the battle on our behalf, and the word of our testimony. Now, the blood of the Lamb, we, we would look at that, and most people say, well, that's the only testimony, but can I tell you, there's more, but that's the most important testimony. Because what the blood of the Lamb means this, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, if you've come to that place of repentance, can I tell you, you are freed from the power of Satan's schemes and accusations by the personal sacrifice of Christ. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have accusations of the enemy. 
It doesn't mean he's not going to come and whisper in your ear that you're not good enough or that you shouldn't be asking for this or what are you doing raising your hands? Don't you know you struggled this week? It doesn't mean you're immune to, to the accusation coming, but the power of the accusation has been broken because of the blood of Jesus covering our lives. And because of that, we recognize this, and I think it's so critical. We are forgiven. Come on, somebody. We are forgiven. Somebody needs to hear this. You are forgiven. The Bible says if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not partial, not a little bit, all unrighteousness. We are forgiven. It tells us because of the blood of the lamb, we are restored in a personal relationship with our God. Oh, I want that for you. I want that for you. Our relationship with God should not be through somebody else. Our relationship with God should not be an experience once a week. Our relationship with our God should be a personal walk day by day, moment by moment, knowing He is with us, He is for us, and He's going to see us through. Can I get an amen to that? We are restored in that personal relationship with God, and we are given an assurance of eternal life. Can I tell you, there will be heaven one day. There'll be no Hope Street Food Pantry in heaven, Mel. Well, no, I'm not sorry for that, because that means there'll be no hunger. There'll be no hospitals in heaven, church, because there'll be no disease. There'll be no masks in heaven, hallelujah, because there will be no pandemics. There'll be no more division in heaven because we will be one as he is one. So we have this promise, this understanding of the word of our testimony that first of all begins with the blood of the lamb, but there's also, he differentiates between the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, if you've not thought about testimony in a while, it's a very powerful word. I looked it up this week just to give you a a definition out of the dictionary, and my favorite was this. It is a firsthand authentication of a fact. I know that I know because I was there, right? It's not I know because someone told me and I think I saw. I know because someone said it on the internet. No, I know because I know because I was there. In fact, it's the most compelling evidence there is to a jury. But in the community of faith, a testimony is simply sharing what God has done in your life. And it's critical. It's critical that we do that. Many people consider their testimony stops at salvation. Can I tell you, we all should be able to give a testimony of our salvation, shouldn't we? And when's the last time you told somebody what God has done for you? When's the last time you were able to say, here's who I was before Christ, right? Here's, who, uh, here's how I got saved. Here was my experience, my encounter, whatever you want to call that. And here's what my life looks now. That's our testimony. And every one of us should be able to do that. You know, they always talked about having your elevator speech, and we were uh, presenting hope, you know, and we were trying to build the, the church up. In other words, share your vision, keep it clear, make it short, make it concise, all those things. I think it's the same with our testimony. Because can I tell you, we don't often get to tell somebody like we want to. But when the door is open, that's why we say it every Sunday, and we quote the Word of God. It says, be ready always to give an answer of the hope that's within you with gentleness and respect. Can I tell you, your testimony is powerful, church. But we must be able and we must be ready to share it. But beyond our salvation testimony, can I tell you that every one of us who serves God has hundreds, if not thousands, of stories about the goodness of God and what He has done in our lives. Every one of us. Every one of us has that testimony. One has that story uh, about what God has done in our lives. And each of these testimonies, according to this passage in Revelation, shows there is a power to sharing them. 
There is a power to hearing them, and there's a power to remembering them. Why? Because there's a power to overcome the works of the enemy. And part of being rooted is keeping the enemy in check so that our roots may go down deep so we may grow up strong in the Lord. So today I want to help you with how do we walk with a testimony? How do we share our testimony? It's one reason we must continually keep these before us and before others so that God is glorified. And the first reason we do that is this. It'll be on the screen. And that is the word of our testimony literally disarms the devil from being able to rob us of faith even in the most difficult times of persecution and tribulation. Can I tell you, Satan is a liar. He's a murderer. And he's a liar, according to God's word. His greatest weapon is the lie. The Bible says in John's gospel, John 8, 44, he, Jesus was talking to the, to the Pharisees, the religious that had no relationship with God, and he was saying, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Can I tell you again, the fiercest battles we face are the lies of the enemy in the midst of our circumstances. It's that word in the back of your head that says he's not going to come through for you. It's that word in the back of your head that says, oh, God doesn't care enough about you. You're not special. It's that word that says, oh, it's impossible. Can I tell you, there's nothing impossible to our God. And we have to recognize them because from the beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve, Satan was there trying to convince them that God was not good and you could never trust him at his word. That famous phrase, did God really say, sent them on a path of destruction that you and I reap the, the, the un, unfortunate reward of to this day. But our testimony, that firsthand authentication of a fact takes the power away from him to deceive us. Because our testimony should say this, this is my God, this is how he acts according to his word, and this is my real life firsthand testimony of the fact that you can trust him. That's what a testimony is. It's not a story of just kind of a feeling you have. It is something that is based on his word, on what his promises are. And so one of the keys to being rooted is that we must learn to desire the testimonies of others. When's the last time you asked someone to tell them your story? Tell them your story, right? Excuse me, got that backwards. Tell you their story. When's the last time? That is one of the joys of being a pastor. I know it's been rough these last couple of years. I don't get to do it as, as much. But to sit down over a cup of coffee, no other agenda, but look at somebody in their, in their eyes and say, tell me your story. Tell me how you came to know Jesus. What has he done in your life? Show me, show me your faith by your story. Show me where you are by your engagement of that. And now can I tell you, early on, Denise and I, we used to laugh in our early on in the ministry because we were both, can I, I'll just say we were blessed, all right? We were raised by godly parents. We grew up in a healthy churches. We had a healthy walk with God. And we became pastors. We'd take people out to lunch and say, how did you come to know Jesus? And they'd tell their story. And I had to sit here like this with like my hand under my chin, not wanting my mouth to drop open like, what? God does that? Because they would tell these extreme things. And I'm like, I didn't know he did that. I thought you just got to church, you confessed your sins, there you went. But, you know, God's like waking them up in weird places and bringing them out of... Re I mean, it was unbelievable. But can I tell you, that's the commonality that we all have because whether your story's unbelievable or churchy, can I tell you, it's the same God who brought it all together. Good. And it's the same power of a testimony. So we got to learn to ask. You know, we talk a lot about community in Christian circles, don't we? 
though we don't practice it nearly enough. We talk a lot about, oh, we are better together, a phrase we greatly overuse at hope. But the truth of the matter is we need each other because we need each other's stories. Because you have something in your life that has taken place that will build up my faith. I have something in my life that will build up your faith. But the only way we're ever going to know that is that we actually learn to ask both the salvation story and the ongoing blessings of God. Because I tell you, when you need provision, you need to talk to somebody who God has provided for. When you need healing, you need to talk to somebody who God has healed. When you need a deliverance or a witness in your life, can I tell you, you need somebody and God has somebody sitting right around you. But you'll never know if you don't take time to build community and ask. You see, the testimony of the saints helps build our immunity to Satan's lies. And the reason is, is because our testimony always reveals who God is. In Psalm 67, 1 through 2, a very famous blessing, it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Why? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. I can sit in my house all day and say, God is good. And God is great, but the Word says I need to make sure that all nations know that. That His Word is proclaimed, that His goodness is known throughout the earth, and that's the motivation of sharing testimony for others and for ourselves. Why? Because here's the second thing about testimony. The Word of testimony spurs us on to believe that God, come on, that God can do in our lives what He's done in the lives of others. Have you ever heard somebody's story and say, oh, isn't that special? God can't do that in my life. Oh, that's extreme. I got called a radical one time when I just shared some of my faith stories. Oh, you're just a radical. God honors that. <laughs> Believe me, I'm anything but radical. I'm just a simple man that trusts God. And I learned at a very early age, you don't have because you don't ask, you might as well ask. And when God breaks through, give him glory, people. When God does his work, give him glory. Why? Because somebody needs to know that what he's done in my life, he can do in your life. What he's done in your life, he can do in someone else's life. So much so that Jesus commanded those that he ministered to to tell others what took place in them. In Luke's gospel, Luke 8, 38 through 39, and again, because it seems extreme, we think it's locked in the Bible. Because we don't think and know, but a lot of people we consider who are possessed by demons, but a lot of people act like they're possessed by demons. We just drug it today. We don't talk about it or pray about it. But he, let, he freed a man from the possession of demons. In Luke chapter 8, verses 38 39, says, The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. And Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. There's a power of the testimony. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Go and tell somebody what Jesus has done. Go and tell the village. Go and tell the town what has taken place. We'll say, well, pastor, I haven't been set free from demons. I don't have much of a testimony. Oh, can I tell you, your testimony stands out like stars in the night. Whether the worst thing you ever did was lie to your mama. Can I tell you, God saved you by his grace. And through his grace, he has set you free. And then in your freedom, you can say, you know what? I don't have to get beat up by life to have a testimony. I have to have faith to have a testimony. And God gives you faith so that you will trust him. And in your trusting of him, he will use your story to bless somebody else. Why? Because the third reason, that is the word of testimony, creates an expectation in our hearts. For God to work according to his nature and for miracles of faith to occur. 
So we've got to learn to ask. Can I tell you to be rooted? We also need to learn to listen. I mean really listen. But how many know that takes time to listen? We are so more interested in our story than someone else's story that we often don't listen. We're so captivated with our lives and not someone else's that we don't think it's valuable. But can I tell you, there is no greater gift you can give to somebody than to learn to listen to their story and to look into their eyes and love them enough to recognize the value, the importance, and the amazing, amazing work of God in their lives. There are some of you here, I put you in a category. I know your stories. And every time I see you on a Sunday, I'm like, God, it amazes me they are standing upright. And it's amazing, God, that they love you and that they love other people and they haven't like gone all like psycho on everybody. Because your story is unbelievable to me. It's beyond anything I've experienced, but the same God is in the midst of it. And see, we've got to learn to listen. Because when we listen, we're giving people the opportunity to build their faith. Can I tell you, when God does something in your life, He doesn't do it haphazardly. When God answers a prayer about a bus stop, can I tell you, that's not haphazardly. Because there's probably somebody else that's thinking about starting a pantry somewhere that needs to know that God moves mountains, even if it means putting a bus stop on the site. He will work miracles. He will heal and deliver one just to serve as an encouragement for another. Your touch from God is always not about you. Your healing is not all about you. God may have healed you because he knew someone else needed to be saved. Because I got a word for you today. You can go to heaven not healed, but you can't go to heaven if you're not saved. And we tend to focus over here so much, we've got to recognize God will use your testimony to build faith in somebody else that they may know that He is God and they can trust Him. In fact, in the early church, it was common. In the early church was crazy. Read 1 Corinthians. I mean, you, you talk about lack of structure. I mean, it would have driven me nuts. But it was, it was powerful, and it was so much so that they encouraged everybody this. 1 Corinthians 14, he says, When you come together... Each of you should have a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation, and everything must be done so the church may be built up. In other words, your going to the meeting was so that you could build somebody else up. You didn't show up at church after the fourth song and leave at the last amen so you got your Jesus for the day and you can go have your week. No, you came because someone else needed you to be there. Amen, pastor. Good preaching. We get the point. You came right to build someone else up. When's the last time you came to hope, not for yourself? When's the last time when you walked through the doors, God, I wonder who I'm here for today. God, who do I get to bless today? God, who do I have to come around and take the time and maybe, maybe invite them out for coffee or lunch or, or maybe just sit in the back row after service is over because after all, you don't have to leave just because it hits 12 o'clock and, and say, hey, tell me more about you. I want to know you. Or maybe come to a women's thing on the side, next Saturday at noon because someone wants to tell you their story which opens up the door for you to grow in him. Can I tell you, over the last couple years, I am so thankful for a group of pastors that I meet with every month. Because every time we meet, what we do is we go around the circle and say, tell me your story. What is God doing in you personally? What is God doing in your ministry? And what do you want us to pray about? And there's been times I've come into those meetings, and I'll be honest, I'm discouraged. And one of my buddies will pipe up and say, oh, you won't believe what God did last week. We had this happen and this happen. And instead of getting jealous, I'm like, oh, tell me more. Because the more I hear his story, if God can do it for that turkey, he can do it for me. I know that. And I, I'm going to stand there and say, I know him. And then if God can bless him, he can bless me. And I, I get built up in that. And, and I get to share that 
that. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Why? Because what God can do for others, he can do for you. The last thing is this, not last thing, second to last, we've got to learn to share. And this is the hard part. We're not good at sharing. And I really think it's two things. I really think that there's a little bit of pridefulness that we're trying to avoid. Well, nobody, nobody's really interested in my story. It's not that great. I'm a nobody. Oh, you are a child of the king. That our father loved enough to send his one and only son to die for you. That you may have life. Pridefulness can get in the way of us sharing. The other thing is we can sometimes worry about becoming off as being overly spiritual. I don't know where that comes from. I don't think you can be overly spiritual. I know there are people that they use God says in every other sentence and it scares me a little bit. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit has a way of correcting that in the lives of others. And we've got to get over ourselves to recognize that God loves us, did so much for us, but he wants us to be engaged in the process then of others hearing about it by the word of our testimony. Can I tell you, it's so important to take time to give God glory whenever we have the opportunity. In fact, we put in front of every one of you today one of these. Everybody grab one of these in front of you. You see it on your seat or around you in the front wheel, you can put them on the seats. It's called a Connect Card. This is not an information grab. That's not what it was there for. We do need that. That helps us serve you better. But if you'll flip it over on the back, it says prayer requests and someone help me out here. Praise reports. Do you know we have gone over two years that I've not seen a single prayers report handed in in this church? How do we overcome him? By the blood of the lamb and the our testimony. And today we put these out because I want to ask every one of you to take them home with you. And I'm going to ask you to do something as part of your fasting and prayer this week. If you can't sit down and honestly say, God has done something in my life so much so that I can write it down and put it out to somebody, I question whether God is in your life. Maybe the next step for you is to get saved and give your heart to Jesus and submit to his lordship. Because here's what I know. My God is an active God. My God is a loving God. My God is a working God. And, and if we'll begin to look around us, and that's part of the exercise is this, sometimes we don't see it because we're not looking for it. Now, I, I, you said a while ago, one of the first ladies I spoke to Thursday night, I said, hey, how you doing? I know her. I've seen her out every Thursday night. She says, Pastor, I'm here. That's all she had to say. I know her story. I'm like, praise God, you're here. And I, I laugh with her because I got a gentleman friend that lives down the road with me, an older gentleman, that every time I see him, I said, how's it going? He goes, hey, I'm on this side of the grass. It's a good day. You know, it's just a simple thing. But for them, it means something. And I looked at her and I said, well, praise God. She goes, God is good. Just that mutual encouragement goes back and forth. Why? Because she understands what matters to her. So I want you to take these. You don't often leave with an assignment, but can I tell you, as your pastor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very bummed out if next week you come back and nobody can tell me you've had not, not a one thing good in your life that God has done. Because if you do that, I'm just going to give a salvation altar call until everybody comes. <laughs> not going to preach, not going to say, just come, give your life to Jesus. Because you cannot be His and not have His goodness working in your lives. You cannot be His and not see his activity in your life. Oh, I know we have needs, people. I, I know we're going to pray for some in just a moment. But can I tell you, you cannot be his and not see his hand. 
And part of the praying and fasting is this. What it does, it, it takes the fog away from your life because your flesh has been so much in control. It takes the fog away so that you can see him, you can hear him, and you can bring him glory and honor. There's one last thing today. Keep, keep hold of these. And that is we've got to learn to remember. There's something about writing down your testimony. There's something about keeping a record of God. I've struggled my whole life journaling. And journaling is not something that comes natural to me, but I, I've been in the habit. Someone gave me a beautiful leather journal for Christmas. I appreciate that because it just reignited in me every day sitting down and saying, God, one thing I'm going to record that I've seen you do today. One thing, God, not just prayer requests, but God, one thing I've seen you do today, God, because I've got to understand something. When I'm praying for it, I want to go back and see when I prayed for it so I can give God the glory when he answers it. And we've got to learn to remember. We've got to learn to write them down. There was an interesting journey the Israelites took when they were heading to the promised land. And that was, they came to the River Jordan, if you remember the story. I mean, they'd already, their predecessors had crossed the Red Sea. Because of their lack of faith, they never entered into the promised land. But now the new generation has risen up and they're, they're going in and Joshua's their leader and they come to the, to the river, to the Jordan River that is blocking the way. And they're in need of a miracle. They're in need of God doing something great. And God speaks to them and tells them, I want the priest to get the ark, and I, not the ark, to get the priest to go before you, and I want them to step into the water. There was an action they had to take because the water didn't part until they stepped into it. But when it parted, he made a command to them. He says, here's what I want you to do. When the priests get to the other side of the river, in other words, they have gone into the promised land, have them gather 12 stones, one for every tribe, and I want you to set them up and they will be there forever. Why? For this reason, Joshua 4, 6-7, to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and the stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Church, we need to remember our stories. Some of y'all will remember this. This will kind of delineate when you came to Hope. I have a couple of things sitting in my office. One is a jar of dirt. A jar of dirt was dug out of this land years ago, and we said, God, we're going to pray that we will own this land debt-free, God, because we will not build till we own the land debt-free. We gave out jars of dirt. We prayed over dirt. Felt silly praying over dirt. I said, God, this dirt represents a miracle. Now, i never forget the day when we had a miracle provision come in the mail of the exact amount we needed to pay off our land randomly, anonymously, still to this day, don't know who gave it. And I looked over the dirt and I said, God, we own the dirt. We own the dirt. I have a rock, a white rock in my office. It reminds me that God gave me a new name. That name is not sinner. That name is not failure. That name is not less than. It is a new name written in glory. And that rock. I have mementos around my office to remind me of things God has done. Oh, I don't have 12 stones in the backyard. Not that crazy. But I'm just saying, it just find a way to remember. What does that look like? Is your Instagram just all about you and what you've done, or is there anything in there at all that relates to the glory of God? Can I tell you today, church, 
we need God. And we need to tell his story. I get asked a lot to share our story. I love on-ramp. I love coffees with you. I love to tell the stories of hope. I get invited to other churches or other groups who are thinking about starting churches just to tell the story of hope, the ridiculous nature of our God who will take a dream and a guy who's too old to plant a church and say, I know you don't know anybody up there. I know you don't know the area, but I'm going to start a church to you that's going to offer hope long, before, long, long after you're gone. We have the early stories. We have the stories throughout our journey. God's writing new stories. We've got to learn to remember them.